0: You're listening to Funeral 614, where we explain the fun in funerals, factual, useful, and noteworthy information. I am your host, Lori Diaz, the Funeral Chick, and I want to welcome you to Season 2 of Funeral 614. Now, I know we have been away for quite a bit, and I think for everyone, the last two years have just been different. Would you say?
1: Very much so. Very much
0: and so I think when the pandemic hit, we had just started season one and I just needed to take a break because I needed to focus on the business. It was a lot of unknown with COVID. Uh, we were a new business and the uh, our podcast really was a travel podcast. We were traveling to locations. So during COVID, we really couldn't travel. So we had to kind of pivot. I am the queen of pivot. I tell you, I know how to pivot. So we are back. I'm excited that we are going to put the fun back in funeral. We're going to be factual, useful, and noteworthy. We're going to share that information in an educational forum. Today, we just want to talk about COVID. That's what we've been dealing with for the past two years, right? Yes. Whew. So we just want to talk about how um, it changed our industry. I think it really has uh changed how people serve, how funeral homes serve, how families view um service now, so I think we just want to talk about that. I know that during the pandemic it did change how our traditional customs um of service kind of happen. Would you say that it changed um what would you say that it changed virtually for us? Um so
1: so it actually I think that's when we introduced uh streaming um was during the pandemic, if I remember correctly um that's when we first started uh the streaming process um I remember it was so weird kinda we we as a people um we we like bring everybody to arrangements <laughs> we had to have conversations like only bring a couple of people um you know services and tickets and lines and we had to add more staff. It it really has been a crazy two years navigating this whole thing. Um, I think everything changed at some point. It was um, probably the most useful time of you being able to pivot, as you put it, uh, because you had to stay on your toes. So,
0: Right. I think uh, virtually, I think it, you had to have some type of streaming capability because across the country, The numbers when, you know, 2020, the numbers that they allowed to come into the funeral home was minimal. I think I remember talking to several colleagues across the country. They were telling me that they really could only have 10 people in their funeral home for a funeral. Can you imagine some families that have more than 10 people in their family couldn't come to a service? Can you imagine that? Your family
1: alone. I, I have seven sisters and a brother, like just in the house. So so (laughs) that that, would have been so
0: those 10 that's that's it that's all that's coming
1: i I couldn't imagine Um, so i
0: think i think it left families without being able to have any closure i think some families i think people are going to really have some uh ptsd behind that because they weren't able to attend the service they weren't able to see the person they weren't able to kind of say goodbye and and they've had to kind of uh find new ways to say goodbye or you know People have came in and said, hey, can you put this letter inside? Can you do this? Because they weren't able to attend. And so I'm thankful that even in Ohio, even though we had some restrictions, um, Ohio um, funerals and weddings were on the exempt list. So technically, we could have as many people at a service that we wanted to have. But being a good steward and being uh, conscious of other people, not just my staff, but the people who were coming to the service, we really kind of limited that to a walkthrough visitation.
1: Right. And I, I remember, um, remember every day we would watch the Mike DeWine uh press conferences because we just thought at some point funerals was going to have more rules. It's like it's happening everywhere. It's only a matter of time. Um, so you know, I'm I'm thankful that it never happened. Um <laughs> Remember, I built a glass case.
0: <laughs> I think for our first COVID service, I, uh, Arthur decided that he was going. We weren't sure. I mean, honestly, we, had no we, idea. we didn't know the effects. We didn't know, you know, you, you don't know any of you. didn't. It was so unknown. You didn't know even after you've disinfected you the body. From
1: somebody we
0: don't know. So Arthur went to the store, the Harvard <laughs> store, I remember, and he was going to build this this case around so that we could use it as a barrier between the person and the viewing, but not a glass top. It was more like a ice cube or something. It was like a, uh, it it was like, it came up from the ledge of the casket and then it was going to
1: like kind of be a, it was, it, was it, worked, <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy. If it would have
0: worked, I would have made millions. It was crazy. It was crazy. If that thing fell me. apart, that thing fell apart, <laughs> we were like, we're not using that. You know what? We're just we're just gonna pray we'll and believe pray that, and pray that we're, we're really going God. to be okay during this service. And so I I mean, and I think across the country, probably other people, other colleagues probably had that same thing, like, okay, well, can the casket be open? I remember watching, I think it was a lady who uh who's husband and son passed from COVID. And I remember watching the live service and I remember she had on gloves and she, I remember she asked my colleague, she said, can I, can I touch him? And the lady was like, well, I, I, I would advise not, but since you have gloves on, it's, it's okay. And I remember her just laying her hand on her husband's chest, like what that would be like to lose two people in your family at the same time. And there are people who lost multiple family members during yeah. the two year period. I mean, it wasn't just one, it was multiple family members and just the pain and the anguish of having to go through that and, and not knowing if, again, are we doing wristbands? Are we doing tickets? Are we doing a walkthrough? Are we, do- I mean, it was so stressful. I mean, people were on edge when they came to a service we we tried to um i think our staff did a good job of making sure that we were visible at the service so that we could help guide the line and that we could kind of say okay we we will really want to discourage against hugging and that was hard because I'm a I'm a hugger. Yeah, I'm a touchy feely person. It was hard to tell people. I'm sorry, you have to keep the line moving. We really we really don't want you to be hugging and greeting the family. People were blowing air kisses at people and waving. It was just that was to me was very painful. And I think, um, you know, as I look back over the, the the two years, it really was stressful. It was it was stressful not knowing, um, you know, we're masked up, not knowing, you know, are we gonna have COVID or are we going to pass that through the funeral home? I, 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 I'm i thankful that our funeral home staff, a couple of fam, uh, family members did have COVID, but it wasn't anything that caused the business to close. I mean, I had a couple of colleagues that they've had, they had to close their business for a two week period because there was too many staff members that had COVID. And I'm just thankful that we were able to kind of um, navigate that. I mean, I had COVID
1: I had COVID twice.
0: So I mean, I think it just it, it was a it was um, it's something that really made you think about your mortality during that time.
1: Absolutely. Um, I mean, you saw seemingly healthy people dying from from this virus. Uh, I remember, you know, when I when I caught COVID, it was like right away, almost knowing, and it was just like thinking I'm going to die. It, it's so weird. Like ambulances coming out in these crazy suits and. I remember letting you know, and you like freaking out. It's like, oh my gosh. Uh, And I'm like, it's going to be okay. And, you know, it's going to be all right. But it it really uh, put things into perspective. I don't think I realized how much, um, you know, there was a normalness to, to funeral service before then. Everybody expected certain things. Even to the point of people having to go up and view by themselves. Some people just can't do it. They never have. Mm-hmm. They always, it's always a group. It's always a, a joint effort. We all know somebody who falls out or something. It's like, no, one person at a time. Right. You know, they they had the X's on the floor. Yeah. We had the
0: signs everywhere. I mean, it was, we kind of, I mean, we had a sign that said, this is a wristband only service that if you don't have the wristband that you can't, um, you know, attend or stay for the service. I think people got creative with making sure that they were able to stay. We had people ripping the wristbands and trying to <laughs> share it on their wrists so that they would be able to, to attend. That just tells you how, how people just still wanted to come um, to a service, even though we were dealing with COVID. I think one of the things that I was really impressed with is how creative some funeral directors um, across the country were. I was reading an article about a guy that started like um, – He had everybody park in his parking lot, and he turned the service on their radio um, network so that they could stay in their cars, sort of like how churches did it, that they could stay in their cars and still be able to hear the service if if they didn't have a virtual option. So they were still able to be on the premises and still feel like that they were there, but they had to stay in their cars. And I think he even had it where he was able to kind of walk the family out so that the family could still see the cars and still be able to say, you know, thank you for coming. So it was kind of like a a different style of a drive through service. I was telling um, uh, my staff members that, you know, if I could have a drive through funeral um, window, that would be something that I definitely would put in because you never know if there's something that will come up, even though we are still a lot of times people think because the mass mandate has lifted that we're not still dealing with COVID. We are still actively still dealing with COVID. COVID is still um, real, it's still uh, causing deaths across the country, and so we still have to be mindful of that. But if I could um, build one, that would be something that I definitely would do. I think the those funeral homes that had that when COVID first uh, happened in twenty twenty when it was we knew what it was, they were able to kind of come through that drive through and actually still see the person, and I think that um, allowed um, families to kind of get some closure as well.
1: So is is that if you could only pick one thing that you think is birth from COVID? Would that be it, or what do you what do you think it would be? Funeral service wise, like if there was one thing that you were like, you know what, I learned this during COVID. I, this is something we're going to keep, or something we're going would, to build.
0: I don't know if it was that, or for me. Well, I don't. I think that just be might be my standard uh, service mandate. Is I really think that the staff being visible to me was important during no, COVID. You can't say that's from
1: COVID. Cause know, that was from the time
0: we, well, I said that, that, I said, I don't know if that's my, you know, but I felt like that's something that has to stay regardless of COVID. But I, I don't know if I really, let me think what I feel like I really learned during COVID that I felt like had to stay. Okay. Me. It, it's the I think, chance. you know what? No. Yeah. But that's kind of now it just, it looks nice. But I think one of the things that I learned is I think during COVID, I learned how to make arrangements shorter. Because you oh, really didn't yeah. really want to be in that space for a long time. You had that mask on. You really couldn't breathe when you were trying to talk to people. You learned how to be able to still get to know the person. But I think you you, you learned how to not have a family there all day. I think families know now. now Families know what they want when they come through the door. And they don't really have to spend Three, four hours at the funeral home, be, be laboring. They're already grieving. I think you can kind of make it. I, I think we learned how to streamline how to at streamline least that, that process.
1: Okay.
0: I, I, I think that that's something that, and, and I like to talk. I love uh, spending time with families, but I think I learned that I could actually uh, spend time getting to know them even when I call, do my little weekly calls or checkup calls while we're making arrangements that allows me to have an opportunity still to kind of um, get to know them. Okay. One of the things that I read about was kind of how um, uh, traditions changed. Maybe those um, who kind of had a different tradition for their, their for their burial custom. So one of the things that I was uh, read about was like a Jewish custom. So, you know, they usually have the shomers that come over and they stay at the house and they, they do the watch. Well, during um, COVID, they weren't able to kind of do that. So they kind of had an honor system where it's like, I'm I i I'm going to be praying for the, the person or, or they had like a, a time frame of how they did that. And I thought that that was kind of neat that they kind of um, pivoted to kind of um, still, still try to have some of their custom. And I'd never even thought about this, but they were talking about how Catholic and Episcopal um, faiths were still able to give last rites, but they kind of, um, some of them administered their last rites with like a Q-tip. So if they were going to go and oh. uh, do the oil, they had like a cute. So they were able to still kind of be able to do that. But some of them had to do last rites like over, like over a the phone, video so chat sure, or something. I know
1: a lot of hospitals weren't letting people in I. I, I tried to use yeah. the minister card a few times. <laughs> it
0: did work <laughs> it for you. didn't it did. work. Yeah, see that? I, I, I just think, I mean, that was kind of, when people were talking about, you know, passing alone and just um, kind of not being able to be in the place was kind of, um, that was kind of a sad moment when you talk to people who said, you know, that they took their person to the hospital and that, you know, they, they never came back. Yeah, that, yeah. that um, I think, maybe one of these um, episodes we really need to f- probably maybe find like a nurse to kind of talk about their that experience.
1: The, because I think yeah.
0: a lot of times uh I think last responders is what we call ourselves. Sometimes during this two year period, I was kind of in my feelings like we're on the front line too. <laughs> and it's like, we're giving free coffee to first responders, not being the lie. Like, can I get my coffee? And they're, last like, they're like, no, you, you we don't see you on the list. But I really think that, there's value to what we do. It mm-hmm. was, v- I mean, we were able to kind of those, pe- those family members who didn't get to see their person in the hospital all that time. It was the last responder that they were able to come and still get yeah. that.
1: And I think we had, we had a huge increase of people like, listen, I know the funeral is next week. I've, I need to see my mom. Yeah. I'm sorry. Can we find some sort of way that, I yeah, think that, that, it-
0: that I think Um, sometimes I don't think we get the credit um, uh, for the work that we do um, in funeral service because we've had to i mean we have not missed a beat we've been here every day we we didn't have we couldn't close it was no it was no closing we were here every day we were even when um other people weren't um going when they were able to work from home we didn't have a work from home option yeah, no. even making arrangements even if we were here making arrangements or virtually trying to make arrangements we still eventually had to come out and come you know, to the building to meet families that kind of be there. And I think um, that was one of the things I think being a that makes me most proud of being a funeral director is that we are there and that we have been there. And um, I applaud our colleagues across the country. I had a, a friend um, that posted one time on Facebook and he was just saying he was kind of giving the view from the funeral director eye that, you know, sometimes we are drained and sometimes we are just overloaded, but we have to show up for that one more family that you have to show up for. And so that's one of the things that I think um during COVID we I think we saw how strong our colleagues were across the country. Absolutely. Especially Absolutely. our New York colleagues cuz they um they were saying that uh the numbers were like 400 a day was a normal. That's a normal um death rate, but they were like seeing them in the I mean they had to rent their refrigerated trucks and they were just I mean they had a whole it was it was way more.
1: Yeah. I, I know even, even here, um, you know, picking up um, people's loved ones from hospitals and that sort of thing, you would have to call and find out, you know, where are they exactly in the hospital? Because some people weren't able to go down to the morgue. They were using temporary spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it really was a, a totally uh, different world. If it, it stretched everyone thin, I think. Um and so it, it required a, a lot of uh stick to itness, I think, and you know, a lot of uh, early mornings and late nights. <laughs> right.
0: Because when you think about um over, you know, four million people who died last year, um, our industry was not equipped to handle that volume at, at one time. So our industry I think we had to learn within ourselves, but one of the things that i think we're noticing in our industry is number 1 we don't have enough people who are licensed in our industry um because we have funeral homes that are closing yeah. um and then we just um weren't equipped to kind of handle that so i think we had to hire more staff we had to um you know delegate more tasks that, that a non-licensed person can do um just kind of be able to in, in my in my favorite word pivot um uh, during during this time uh one
1: one article I saw was talking about the um they they saw like 70% cremations in their area in the last two years. Um do you think that is uh you know about covid as well, maybe a lot of unexpected deaths or do you think it's just kind of happening and going that way?
0: No, I I think um I was one of one of the things that our industry has always preached is that um, cremation is on the rise, and I think that we kind of saw that. But I think, um, in terms of uh, COVID, I think in places of people being not prepared, um, number one, and that the sheer amount of deaths, some families more than one person passing their family. So if they could gather up the funds for one, here's you know two here's and three that they didn't right have the funds them, for. Yeah. So I mean, in some cases, it was direct cremation was the only route that they were able to do because they didn't have the funds to be able to pay. And so I think um, that, um, I think in hot spots where the majority of the people um, who passed in those hot spots, I think um, National Funeral Directors Association said that the majority of those hot spot areas did choose cremation and that they project that in that in 2035, that 50% of all of all 50 states will be at 50% cremation. And that's, I mean, that's huge when you think about it. But I think um, to combat that, if that's um, a word that you want to use, I think being prepared and having um, always having pre-planning seminars and teaching people how to prepare allows you to have a choice and not necessarily just do um,
1: what you have to do. Yeah. I yeah. think
0: sometimes it's a choice. If you're prepared, you you don't have to actually um, choose cremation if that's not what you want, if that's not what you want for your family. Okay. Absolutely.
1: And um, <clears throat> we, we were talking before uh, about people doing services now um, from people who passed away during COVID. Is it something that you're seeing a lot of something that uh, you, you know, we're, we're going to be doing with, what, what do you think about that? I I think, I thought that was interesting. Like someone who's passed a year or so ago and, you know, they're kind of just now getting together because I, th- I think we just improvised so much that we would have already done that. But apparently, a lot of people have not.
0: No, because no, there were some uh, funeral homes that offered. You know, a discount of, hey, if you decided you were just gonna do a direct cremation, you are able to come back and have the memorial service at a later date. And I think some people are taking them up on that later date. And so there are families who could not gather, who still wanted the importance, because they lived across the country, who still wanted the importance of gathering, who didn't improvise and have something, who are now saying, okay, now that it's, um, you know, the country has kind of opened up more, we wanna actually have a memorial service, which. Um, you know, even remember in COVID, we we had a colleague who, his family would not yeah. have a service yeah. because they they felt like he he needed to be honored. That was Mr. Swanson. Mm-hmm. They wanted to make sure that they honored him, and so they waited, almost but yeah. nineteen they, months they waited or something. And waited. Yeah, yeah, they and to be able to have a service where where people could come because their restrictions were you know at that time ten, and they were like, no, my father deserved. I mean, he buried a lot of.
1: Yeah, he buried more than ten people a week. Like, well, you
0: well, know, like, no, you know it was it was you know a lot of people. I mean, he he buried Aretha Franklin, so he, they were like, no, he he's known in the city, and so I think that that was that's showing everybody's not going to be able to preserve a person like they did because you know they were. They're not going to be able to do that, and funeral homes aren't going to be able to keep your person for that long. But <laughs> yeah, please don't get any ideas. We but it's just showing. But it's just showing how people do wait and actually have something later. And so there I was think, a
1: bishop like that too. Uh, I can't think of his name, but he he was he was a very long time later. Uh,
0: Brooks. Bishop I th- Brooks. I think people um, during the pandemic missed the missed the gathering aspect because it allowed them to, you know, we like to tell stories of our our of our person. So, you know, during that, during, I think COVID people had sm- shorter services too. Yeah. Cause it was kind of like a, you want to be in and out. It was like 30 no minutes. Yeah. So we no, yeah. You didn't have a repass. So you weren't able to kind of gather and kind of have, people were still having the repasses at their houses and everything. They but we're not having repasses. They said <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. That's one. what they said. But we know <laughs> that they were having repasses. But I think that um, one of the things that I think uh, we've, been able to uh, learn during COVID is that families are important in the value of family.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Because at the end of the day, um, as we found, and as I said, often, even at graveside services is look around. This is all you, you see as family. And so that, that just showed the importance of a family during that time as well. I saw, I, I want to read this quote to you and you tell me what you think about it. And as we um, get ready to conclude this episode, but it said, "May that which doesn't kill me make me stronger," and he says, "Now I say, may may that which doesn't kill me make me kinder." What do you think that that has to do with COVID?
1: Um, so I I think um, I think it really is just about a, a change in perspective, which I think COVID caused all of us to have. Uh, that's how we relate that to COVID. Um, you know, is that we we missed out on so much of how we uh spread kindness to one another. Mm-hmm. You know, I never thought I'd see the day that you were told not to hug people, not to shake hands. Um, you know, especially cuz I mean it's just kind of what we're used to. You meet somebody, you hug them, they're perfect stranger, and when it's not that way, it's like you're rude. What, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we had to grow uh, into that being the norm and now trying to adjust again and you don't know if somebody is offended if you shake their hand or offended if you don't and uh, you know kind of asking hey is it okay is this um, so I think you know it, it hasn't killed us but I think it's certainly going to make us kinder and more appreciative of of people and of family and of being able to show and spread love
0: good that's good well that is our episode today um, we look forward to talking. Um, our next episode, we want to share with pastors. We want to hear about the pastor, the pastoral perspective um, during COVID. So, look forward to our next podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Make it a great day. Well, that's our time, and we look forward to our next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate our audience. If you're not subscribed, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify google play store or wherever you consume podcasts if you feel so inclined leave us a comment but please be sure to share this episode in your circle of influence until the next episode i'm Lori diaz the funeral chick remember to serve well and have fun make it a great day